welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. In this episode, I speak with David Tyrone Christie, chair of the charity Manchvuno. David and I speak about the challenges that he and his colleagues faced in setting up their charity and what they aim to do, and the tips and advice as well for anyone wanting to set up their own charity or cause. This conversation touches on lived experience of wider topics too, including systemic racism, white privilege, equality, diversity and inclusion, diversity on boards and executive pay. So without further ado, let me introduce David Tyrone Christie speaking with me on the topic of serving the community. I'm delighted to be joined today by David Tyrone Christie, Chair of the Charity Medjvuno. David, welcome to Charity Chats. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> it's a pleasure. I know that uh, you, you're a listener to the show and it was great um, when you reached out to us and uh, told us about your story. Can you yeah. tell, for our listeners' benefit, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to want to start your own charity to support right. your local community? Well, I mean, growing up, I've, you know, I've tried, I've been in numerous things. I've, I've done a bit of, um, you know, I, I can regard myself as an artist. I've run my own business. But it was when I was working in civil uh, civil service role that actually mm-hmm. led me to set up the charity. Because when I was working in a civil service role, I was faced with racial challenges. And those racial challenges then led me to actually leave um leave the job and the job was quite you know it was a well-paid job in in, in some aspect mm-hmm. and I ended up leaving it due to you know racial the racial challenges that I had when I was working there um from my own colleagues so it I took about a year a year to two years out you know researching you know researching and and, and getting a trying to get a, a better understanding of where this legacy of racism kind of came from mm-hmm. and while I was doing that I, you know I shared the kind of experiences with, my, with some of my peers my friends and they had similar ex- experiences as well and then that that's that led us to you know set up the Madrivino um, charity which we're here um, representing today. You've come to this with real kind of lived experience haven't you so, of, of, yeah. uh, of, of racism and of prejudice I suppose did you feel in a way that you wanted to do something to to help combat that not only for yourself but for others as well was that yeah. part of the remit i'll say yes to that because while i was there i realized this thing here is, is a big it's a big thing it's, it's something greater than just going to hr you know putting a complaint in and and then you know that person are getting brought in and just you know going through like a tick boxing exercise it was it's, it's, i realized it was larger than that this is something that needs to be hit at the core we need to look at this at the core and that then took me down a path of you know i don't want to you know we haven't got the time to go too much into the historical things but there's historical things that, that have happened which are affecting the black community today mm-hmm. and those historical things are such things such as slavery colonialism and that's what I, that's what i discovered and it has a legacy that's continuing to this very day Mm-hmm. um but that's what that's where the path of discovery led me to and then it also led me to because i myself i'm from the caribbean I, you know i, I mm-hmm. identify as a, as a caribbean or jamaican although i am very much british i was born here sure. you know second third generation born here mm-hmm. um but i also then realized that what, there was a time when we were in africa so to speak and we were you know moved 
literally transported from one place to another mm. through the Atlantic slave trade. So that's where I ended up. And that's why I believe a lot of what we see today is because of that legacy of that the historic event which affects us um, till, till today. With the the kind of behaviour that you were receiving in your last role that made kind of led you to go on and set this uh, charity up, was it, I suppose, because, you know, I'm, I'm a white bloke and I guess I'm probably, I don't think I'm on my own in terms of, I do worry sometimes that am I inadvertently being prejudiced in how I behave? And obviously I understand now more than ever because of the the uh, the great work that's been done by the likes of Charity So White and various other groups. Oh. I understand more about white privilege and what that actually means, but okay. I didn't a few years ago, you know. And so okay. my aim is always to treat people fairly and to treat people equally I don't know if I I mean I hope that's the thing with you know with kind of the the kind of understanding more about white privilege that has been my concern you know since then of you know have I always treated people that way have I subconsciously treated people differently because of race or gender or any of these things um and I hope not I can't think of anything I mean you know certainly no one's ever said that to me but maybe that's the case was it were the things that you were experiencing were they were they in do you think could they be categorized as inadvertent racism or were they more um overt <clears throat> deliberate racism or a mixture of both what yeah i mean of- I, i'm glad that you've raised this because um you, you know they're sensitive topics that many of us you know tend to stay away from so and i appreciate you bringing it to the surface but what i would say is that just if, if you're going back into the historical events just as you know back then we were conditioned to um you know to 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 be slaves so to speak or to to undergo a certain torment to keep Mm. us in a particular way Mm. i would say that maybe it's still existing in a sense where we when we talk about systematic racism it's still persistent in a way in a sense where people still believe it's their role to you know create barriers and to create blockages you know in regards to for example the black community that's that I, that I could say is 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 a is a potential truth mm. you know because i felt i literally felt when i was working in that role i felt the the just the sensation of feel of being being viewed as potentially inferior or or i, or I should see somebody else superior and you could you could I, and we're human beings. You can read. You can pick up on things. You can read things. You know, things, yeah. things were said to me directly. Things are things were done indirectly. But it's not until when you're going through something, it's very hard to reflect on something you're going through because I just want to go to work, earn a living, and come home. But unfortunately, it was much more than that. It was it was the job. It was the job itself, plus all the all the additional you know challenges or, or racial harassment that came with it. And I always said, because when I was working, I, I was receiving like a London waiting and, and, and things like that. And also we should have got some sort of discrimination rating. <laughs> I mean, waiting, because it's like, it's, it's a whole other job in itself, having to take on a job itself and then deal with the challenges, you know, that are linked to your identity and race. So it was like, it's like you come to work and you have to deal with these you know, a challenge on top of a challenge, so to speak. And I guess, I guess, regardless of the intention of, you know, if, if somebody uh, says to you, a white coworker or someone says something to you, which is offensive, whether they mean to or not, the damage yeah. is done, isn't it? It's, damage you know, you're, you're having to take that on like a, a blow. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so regardless of the intention, it's the, the, the problem is, 
is just as real if somebody means to or doesn't mean to, I suppose. I guess it does yeah. come down to education and, and whether or not there's a, you know, the, the business or the society takes on board and right. understands it and then, then yeah. wants to do something about changing it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, when you say education, I mean, how, what, when, you, when you say education, what do you mean by that, education? I guess in terms of how, so I suppose white privilege is one aspect of it. Certainly from my point of view, being completely open and honest, you know, it's something that yeah. I, it was a term, I guess, really, I hadn't come across um, until relatively recently. And I, I guess that says wow. a lot about me. That That's an education as well, isn't it? There's yeah. a requirement that people firstly uh, yeah. have that information and that knowledge put in front of them. So, you know, people are reached with the, for example, that definition of white privilege, what it means and an right. understanding about what it means. And yeah. then the second step, I suppose, is that they are then willing to take that on board and then adjust how they behave accordingly, right? Right, right. Because when when we talk about education, it's, it, again, it goes even deeper than that. What we have mm -hmm. to be looking at is, what we're looking at here is rectifying something that's happened historically because mm. these things have never been spoken or addressed you know publicly or officially what happened is that we you know for example we came over during the wind rush from the caribbean we were like the first you know ethnic minority so to speak to come over here mm. in such a format and then these historical events were never addressed so what happens is the legacy continues you know when we for example our grandparents when they used to go places you see the signs you know no no blacks you know no dogs no irish things like that mm -hmm. so we were invited here but then the pop the issues that we had weren't addressed so they kind of just continued so it's more than just education it's also building the bridge, building the bridge between the black community and this and this establishment. And that's what we really have to be looking at. And that's why I, I thought it was so important to really get the charity established and, and, and incorporated, you know, under, you know, the, you know, the government's institution and charity commission, et cetera, and begin to build that, that bridge. So what we're really looking at is, is to create a sort of mediation between establishment and community and i feel like a charitable organization is the best solution for that david what obstacles have you faced in setting up this charity and how have you overcome them well obstacles obstacles <laughs> there have been quite a few of them <laughs> honestly speaking there have been quite a few that's what i felt was so important to reach out um, to charity chat and you mm -hmm. guys you know you're doing a fantastic job with, with the podcast and really giving air to you know a lot of the problems that you know and challenges that are faced within the charity sector mm -hmm. so uh, it was it was important to you know a lot of the times we want to be established, grow, be some, see somebody and then talk about experiences. But I felt like it's very important to talk from the offset because from the offset, we've been, you know, faced with loads of challenges, challenges that shouldn't necessarily happen, but they are happening. Yeah. But if I was to give, give examples, I mean, um, and this is something maybe that's, it's something that's outside of the charity, outside of the charity sector itself, but it's still very relevant. Maybe if you're talking about systematic racism here, because, for example, we had we've had a a, a great deal of 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 a time with setting up a, a community bank account, mm. just for an example, where we've gone in um, to a bank to set up a community account, 
and we were unable to. And we delivered, we, we gave them all the all the documents, all the minutes. And what was said is that we're not registered as a charity, we're not registered as charities yet. So although that wasn't a, a natural requirement, we said, let's get in the benefit of that. Let's go, we get ourselves registered and come back. Hmm. We got registered. We've even got um, Baroness Stowell on our charity certificate. She was she was chair. I think she stepped down now. She was chair hmm. at the time. And you know that's something that we was you know it was it's, 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 it was proud of that. I was proud to have a, a, a Baroness you know sign our charity um, certificate. That was a nice thing to have, you know. Yeah. And giving them the certificate, saying we're registered, and we're still we're still turned down. We're still turned away. Um, I mean, to cut a long story short, that case went to the financial officer. We were awarded, um, you know, a, a small amount of money. Mm-hmm. But then, in terms, we felt we strongly felt that we were rejected. It was based on, you know, the, the, it was based on discriminatory grounds. You know, we've gone in there as, as free um, young black individuals setting up a charity account. Maybe the bank manager has never seen, you know, seen something like this before. And when we had the meeting with them, money, things like money laundering was brought up in the meeting, mm. which we found was very bizarre because <laughs> money laundering, where did that come from? We felt that we were racially profiled. And even when we spoke to other people, and there was, there was an actual charity advisor who recommended using this bank, and she was from a local um, CVS. And she, she said, wow, this is never, she never experienced this before. She's always recommended, you know, um, startup charities to go there. So it was the first that she's ever experienced that as you know, recommended a charitable organization to go there. So from from their point of view, did they provide you with anything that showed that these the checks that they were putting you through were the checks they put every you know similar charity to be through honest, or anything like that? Or? to be honest, it, it was like we were it was literally like we asked him to borrow a hundred thousand pounds. That's right. how we were left feeling. We literally gone there just to, to simply set up an account and it was like it turned out to be like we was asking for a hundred thousand pounds. Even after the financial ordinance ruled in our favour and we said that we still would like to set up the account with them. They turned around and said, we have the commercial remit to choose who we want to bank with us and they mm-hmm. rejected us once again. Mm-hmm. So that's right there, that's discrimination. So mm-hmm. we have to now, because, uh, you know, we have a very small organisation limited resources not much capital and to be taken on something like this is it, it's it's taxing it's exhausting but we have yeah. to stay resilient and where is something that's actually in line with our work we thought it was something it's, it's important to take up the um you know to take up the battle because they say you have to choose your, your battles wisely and mm. um this is one that we thought we felt strongly that we must you know persevere with There might be listeners that have either gone through this journey or are considering setting up a, a group or a charity themselves and and so i, I think it's it's really uh, useful for them to understand uh, your experience and uh, and and to kind of hopefully get some solace if they've had a similar experience and maybe they didn't go through with it because it was just becoming too much because as you say it's a lot of work already i mean we charity chat we we've gone through that process um of, of registering and and uh, we're a you know we're a uh, different entity but we um you know it's it's a lot of paperwork to fill in at the, in the first place and if you then start getting all these hurdles in addition to that then it's it is off-putting were there other obstacles that you faced in terms of was there any uh, any difficulty in getting your group together for example there are three of you aren't there there are three executives at the moment but we're, we're looking to grow it as an organization 
we want to become a fully pledged organization so we're bringing on advisors as well at some point we'd love to bring on staff to help you know deliver the the products and services but in terms of any other obstacles i've yeah they they were and for example um community reservations is one when i say community reservations, i mean in terms of when we go back again to the historical events that were never re you know never addressed there's there's a lot of fear factor that's still continuing to this day where people are afraid of or have reservations towards establishment Mm. you know and reservations that you know reservations that mean in terms of like even setting up a business you know Mm. there's a many many people from the community have legitimate businesses who are afraid for example to set them up and incorporate them because they they don't want interference from the system because they feel that the system has maybe, you know, used and abused them before. So why won't they do it again kind of thing? So there's so a lack of trust in, lack in, of in trust, these, yeah, these entities. Lack of trust. And that 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 stems across all many different aspects. You know, mm. I can I can I can I can read off a whole long list. I can even talk about marriage, for example, you know, mm. having getting married into the system, having the system into your personal mar- marital situation. That's mm. another reservation. So there's loads of different reservation that the black community has in regards to the system but again it's about you know bridging the gap and we we felt strongly that it was important to get registered get incorporated you know and be regulated by the, the charity commission and mm-hmm. and to again bridge that gap between um establishment and community mm-hmm. i mean i i remember even talking to people from within the community and saying you know talking about you know setting up the charity and you know i was met with things like you know they want they want register that they want to accept that those are the kind of things that we have to deal with uh, and face in our community and it's not about blaming others it's about um it's about regeneration it's about you know you know working out those differences and bringing down um those 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 barriers and those walls rather than you know condemning and judging so to speak as part of setting up you you've got a constitution you've got your charitable objectives so how, how is Madrino setting out to provide support and fulfill uh, your charitable objectives for your community at the moment we've been we've been focusing on structure we've been focusing no not 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 being money hungry and just you know running down chasing our money being focusing constituting ourselves, structuring ourselves, getting in, getting into a, an into order, getting into a, a flow of things. That's been that's been that's been very important in the early stage of our setup. And even things like getting having the name Madrino um trademark, trademarking um, the logo. So we've been, we've been doing a lot of background work and I've been you know doing a lot of writing so that we can have a a fully pledged organization rather than just it being you know a bunch of individuals so for example if i'm not here anymore the the, the organization can still um continue and that's what the that's what the community needs so we're very we're very niche there's nothing um i want to say there's nothing like us in the market where we're, we're exclusively serving um the black community and gonna we're looking to bring about a range of products and services that will enable the community to connect with their African heritage and also just um, and just be educated 
about you know um, various things relating to the black community. So we've started off with um, we've done our first series of uh, podcast series and we titled that uh, the actual podcast itself is called MCAST. And the first series was basically about being black, you know, the black British experience. So we used that as a pilot to kind of test the waters and kind of get some engagement from the community. And engagement has been fantastic. So we're now looking to continue um, having products and services, you know, on offer, on, on sale. Um, so we see, ourselves, we, we see ourselves as a social enterprise, you know, that, that's, that's fair to say. So we, we, we focus very much on social aspects, but then we, we realise, you know, we have to enterprise, we have to have a sense of capitalism because you know, this is the real world, money needs to be made. So we have to, we're almost like a hybrid of the two, socialism and capitalism mixed together, and hopefully that will, that will create a nice blend. So your aims to kind of raise the funds to support your work with the community in, in lots, of right. different, lots of different ways. Right, right. So we're looking at, you know, publishing books, having educational books. We're looking at um, clothing, you know, like, again, black people being out in this Western society. Um, a lot of us are separated from our, 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 our you know, our culture, our identity. So having cultural clothing is another great aspect that, of how we can, you know, be in this Western society, but still, you know, tapped into our own culture. So we're looking at clothing, books um, and so forth but again going back to the obstacles another obstacle is is is, is resources funding um you know statistically they say that you know the black community are one of the um in terms of you know um, finances we're one of the worst stuff that's what data will tell you so raising up be you know going to the community and raising up funds is another challenging aspect like we've tried to apply for, for example, apply for loans. Mm. And a lot of the loans are tailored towards, you know, these organisations that are established and have asked, a lot of the loans are asset um, backed against assets. Mm-hmm. We haven't, we're, as a startup organisation, we ain't got any assets. Right. So, you know, getting funding to deliver our um, charitable objectives, that's, that's another challenge. Mm. Um, and also, and then even the grants that are out there, the grant, a lot of the grants that they're, they're very, you know, tied up and restricted. I feel like the charity sector needs to start looking at um, solutions for start-up organisations, maybe mm. providing grants that are not restricted, unrestricted grants. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I feel like trust trustees, people that are running charities, they know best. They know what needs to be done with the money. Once you've established that a charity is genuine, Mm. And it's about serving its um, purpose. Why, why are funds restricted? Resources are scarce, but, um, you know, realising the cause and then devoting time to it, giving up your time, you know, it's very much... Being a chair is very much, uh, I would say, a full-time role. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to, I have to, I try to make myself as available uh, as possible to carry out the work of, of the organisation. And, and and as a as a team, as a board, we all we all executives, and 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 there is a level of of responsibility and commitment that we must give. But doing that on a voluntary basis is quite is again difficult. So. Mm-hmm. 
when we looked out, when we were looking at options and, you know, I've, I've seen that some other organisations have applied for their trustees to get paid. And mm. I've, I've heard, read about, you know, chairs getting paid £500 per meeting yeah. and things. We didn't want to go necessarily down that route. But at the same time, we need we need to be our work needs to be supported and 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 so we can carry our work. And what we actually developed was a, a stipend, and that's that was a solution for us. So the churches are you know a lot of churches are set up as charities, but they've been able to you know have these means put in place for their um, for their executives. So um, the the sector needs to look at that model and and potentially replicate that across the sector not just exclusive fight for for charitable i mean for you know religious or church organizations back in episode 133 we had a, a very interesting chat with uh, um philip kirkpatrick around wow. uh, about whether there's an alternative charity governance model and i think some of the conclusions of that speak to what you're saying david as well around the i mean it was coming from a different angle in a way but uh, that was kind of, I suppose it's a similar thing, though. That was essentially uh, boiling it down to a model whereby the people in, in the charity should themselves be um, considered as, well, they are considered as uh, trustees of the, uh, of the cause. And, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, there's that kind of division in some of the charities, some large charities or smaller charities too, where you've got this board of volunteers who essentially making big decisions with and the hope is that they are taking on the expertise of the people that are being paid in that organization but not always um and uh and there's uh, some good reasons then for potentially changing that model so that you've got the people with the expertise helping to make those decisions on that board i suppose what you're talking about is a similar um change in terms of you know you're doing the work and uh, and also you are the board and also there's no alternative because when you were looking around you, you said to yourself there wasn't an organization doing what you're setting out to do which is of course when when people are setting up a charity that's the ideal isn't it you don't want people to be setting up a, a rival charity to, to one that's maybe doing the same job if they're doing it well yeah yeah that's that's what led us to set up the charity because there was there, there was nothing else or, or else it would have been best for us to have joined that charity rather than set up a charity to compete. This is not, it wasn't a thing of competition. We can do it better. Mm. There's literally nothing like this on the market. Let's, let's, there's no blueprint for this. So let's, let's create one ourselves. And that, and that's what it was. Mm. So we're very niche in that sense. But um, yeah. And, you know, we looked at different models. We looked at, you know, models where you've got these like passive trustees and then you've got the the staff who are the are really or truly the executives you've got those kind of models and then that allows the, the executives to then be paid you know um salaries of you know hundred thousand pounds a year wherever it is we saw different we looked at different models but if you're going to be a trustee if you're going to be executive be one you know yeah. so the stipend kind of gave us the opportunity to 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 do that, and it's there. It's, it's not a salary. It's literally there to enable us trustees to carry out our trustee duties. What advice would you give to those of our listeners who may be considering setting up their own charity or group to affect change in their community? 
I would say resilience, especially if I'm if you know if I'm here talking about you know ethnic minority um, community groups for in particular, I would say resilience because they're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna face hurdles, you're gonna face um, challenges being an ethnic minority. So resilience is 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 a must, you know. Um, that's the yeah you have to have that <laughs> you have to have a, a bit of grit um because there's times when you're going to feel like what am I doing why don't I just stop this and, and and just you know go and you know do my nine to five and just make money for my own family mm-hmm. why should I take up this this burden of of of, of a you know of the community kind of thing so resilience is a must um research a lot of a lot of my time spent is about researching things, you know, so I can, you know, I understand what I'm talking about and I can speak eloquently about things and not just, you know, being blase. I've, I've, a lot of the things I'm talking about, I, I can talk about because I've researched. Mm. So um, I would say research um, is important. And, um, I, yeah, and also getting that, back to the stipend, getting that balance between cause and reward because... You know, as executives, if you're just focused on cause and there's no sense of reward in place, it's, it's, it's demotivating. So I feel like anybody needs a sense of reward or a sense of motivation to, to in order to carry out the work because just doing something, especially, you know, on a, on a, on a, on a voluntary basis with no sense of achievement afterwards, it's, again, it's, it's taxing on the mind, you know. David, Tyrone, Christie, thank you for contributing to Charity Chats. Thanks for, thanks for picking up the email and allowing me to come on the show. A big thank you there to David, Tyrone, Christie. The challenge of setting up a charity or social enterprise to meet a need in society is daunting at the best of times. For David and his colleagues, there were added challenges that were ironically part of the social inequality that they were seeking to address. David spoke about the challenges of seeking funding, but also seeking unrestricted funding to help start the work, and the need for funding to give him and his colleagues a chance to dedicate their full time to it. David spoke about the reservations among his community that people have towards entities linked to the establishment, including the reservation of engaging with a charity commission registered charity. David explained that some are worried about interference from the system and that there is a lack of trust due to historic mistreatment. We also touched on the governance model of charities generally and how David and his colleagues had sought a solution of stipends for trustees modelled on church stipends. This led to talking about the challenges the sector faces recruiting boards of trustees from diverse backgrounds or with lived experiences, especially if those boards are also carrying out all or the bulk of the charity's operational work. David shared his experience of registering a charity with the Charity Commission and said that the thing you need above everything else when you're setting up a charity is resilience. In our increasingly busy and under-pressured charity sector resilience is needed more than ever and listening to David speak about his journey it occurred to me that there is also a great deal of entrepreneurism when it comes to setting up a charity or social enterprise identifying the need isn't necessarily the issue after all we live in a world 
where the need seems to far outweigh the supply. It's all around us. We can see that. So choosing how to dedicate our energy to meet one of the multitude of needs and sticking at it sounds like the secret source for progressive social change. So thank you, dear listener, for getting this far with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to enjoy the podcast. We'd love to hear either way. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors, our platinum sponsor, Charity People, for enabling us to share insights, expertise and best practice across our sector. Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit. Magda Aksumit for our beautiful website, please do check it out at charitychat.org.uk where you can also find all of our contact details and social media links. And of course, Saeed Dejani for playing throughout the show and for playing us out right now. That's it from me. Keep on doing what you can. Speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye-bye. Thank you.